What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Playbook with Joey and Zach. Not live on WZBC AM Sports Radio tonight like we usually are. Uh, we're going to do a quick Christmas special like we did last year, which we were live on air last year on the FM radio. But uh, this one's going to be a FaceTime uh, episode. We're excited to do it, though. Obviously, Christmas being tomorrow, this is our Christmas special. So we're excited. Zach, we'll get into the topics, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. What's going on, everyone? Uh, welcome back to another episode. Uh, today we're going to be talking about BC football, they had a big national signing day this Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday, and they have a load of incoming transfers as well as outgoing transfers. Um, the portal's been crazy this year, so we're going to get into that a little bit. Next, we're going to talk about BC basketball uh, and their recent big overtime win over ranked Virginia Tech uh, two nights ago. Uh, and then we'll get into the Celtics, talk about um, their recent performance. They've been struggling a little bit. And then we'll wrap up with some NFL playoff predictions as it stands today, uh, going over AFC and NFC winners as well as Super Bowl champ. Um, so let's dive into it. You want to get right into it with BC football? Yeah, let's do it. So National Signing Day was a big day for BC on Wednesday. Obviously losing a lot of guys, which we'll get into the guys that transfer and go into the NFL draft in a second. But a big part of the team that you have is the guys you're bringing in recruiting-wise. Since the end of the day, when you're a new coach like Halfley was a few years ago, a lot of the guys that you had on the team were just Adazio guys, so you didn't really have your guys. These are all mm-hmm. Halfley guys, so he's getting the guys he wants. Right now, 56th ranked team in the uh, 56th ranked class in the nation, which I think we were better last year, though, weren't we? Like 40 or something last year, 35? Yeah, we were, we were in the 30s. I think, I want to say 35, 36. Yeah, we were somewhere better last better. year. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was only signing day, so you might get guys to flip. Who knows, by January, February, some guys do end up mm-hmm. flipping uh, if they don't end up, you know. Yeah, so another already. signing day in February, too, so. Yeah, it could actually prove. Done yet. And some guys mm-hmm. will end up flipping by that, because if you don't enroll early, you're not going to be on campus next semester, so you can end up flipping. Some guys still end up doing that, like you said, maybe February, mm-hmm. who knows. But uh, I do know they do have a couple kids from uh, CM, I saw, two or three kids from CM, which is pretty cool that they're recruiting. Yeah, I think three now. Local kids. Yeah, the other day. Which is impressive, though. I like when they recruit kids from like Everett, and obviously Central Catholic has some players. they got to get more of those guys, huh? Uh, Springfield, mm-hmm. Yeah, Springfield some Catholic. more losing to uh, their damn. Yeah, yeah, they don't get they don't get the BC guys, unfortunately. To Central Cat, they should though. But uh, yeah, I honestly. do like when they recruit local kids. Though. I think it's obviously good for the program. It obviously, builds um, a good you know in house in state uh, recruitment. Obviously, if you have more guys from the area, they can recruit some of their boys that are big recruits, like your friend from Central Catholic. If he had a friend going to BC, maybe you could say, "Hey, come and join me." You never know. So it's obviously good mm-hmm. for the program though. But uh, what what do you think of it? Um, I thought it was a solid day. It was a little disappointing seeing that two of our top commits. Um, decommitted and we almost lost a third to decommitted then recommitted as well um so obviously tough to see that i think a lot and part of it is due to a lot of the losing we've seen on the field this past season um a lot of these players thought they were being promised a rebuilding program that was going to start hitting seven eight wins this year and when it hits three it's pretty tough to say that we're headed in the right direction right now and i think that changed a lot of these top recruits mind that had a lot of other offers like one four-star corner that we had i saw committed to virginia tech um, they were also the tough season, but you know they're kind of a bigger historic program, and I think that was probably more of an appeal there. Um, but Halfley um, had a press conference after and said he wasn't done. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does in the coming weeks because we only had 17 uh, signees on this day. Um, typically, we've had closer to 22, 23. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he's going to do because a lot of the top commits are now off the board. Uh, that being said, there's still a lot of um, highly prized recruits that are, I mean, out there and available. But it's just up to uh, Halfley and his. Staff to do what they do, really. Yeah, like you said, three wins. It's probably not the best idea, obviously, at the end of the day, especially considering. Yes, tough to sell that. You win six wins, even that's disappointing, but you probably won't get guys to flip. But if you're under a bowl game, like three, four wins, and guys have 
offers from bigger schools, especially more successful schools historically. Sometimes that's just what's going to happen. The guys are going to flip. Obviously, you don't want that to be a bigger recruit. Your two top commits, losing them is obviously a big deal. It's like you're losing two guys you just got as two or three styles just to do it. Uh, so that's obviously hard. But if you win three games, guys are going to decommit. Guys are going to transfer. It's going to be a big part, obviously, of the next year, which we're going to get into some of the transfers in a minute. But at the end of the day, especially the bigger players, like those two top recruits and even the guys that are on the team from this last year, like Jason Matry, are going to transfer to better schools, I guess, for their sixth year or fifth year, uh, especially for some of them that are, obviously, that are graduated, obviously. Now they're just doing one more year of football just to see if they can make it uh, at another mm-hmm. program and then play in the NFL. Who knows uh, what a lot of those guys' futures holds, like Patrick Awo and Jalen Gill and Jason Matry. But we'll obviously see what happens mm-hmm. there. But as with yeah, transfers, though, sure. we have some guys coming in, though. Um, I know Ryan O'Keefe, that UCF wide receiver, we were talking about him last week. Uh, I remember I came in, you know, to the model whenever we were talking about him, and he looks pretty good. I mean, at the end of the day, you're losing Zay Flowers. You need another playmaker, and he looks like he could fill into that gap and be and be what the BC offense needs at the end of the day when you're losing speed. Yeah, definitely. This guy seems like the complete uh, package of a replacement for Zay Flowers. Um, super fast prospect. I think runs a 4-4, 40-time. Um, absolutely electric. I mean, there's this one viral clip of him last year. He... Um, was on offense and there was a fumble recovery on the complete other side of the field for the defense and he chased down the defensive back all the way to the goal line and made a tackle on the three yard line saved a touchdown um, just great to have a big hustle player like that um, obviously electric speed and playmaking ability so it'll be interesting to see um, how we use him and if we use him in a similar role to Zay because um, I mean really last year Zay was our only offense and it's good to see Halfley hitting the portal too and other aspects of the field um we got another defensive back, Curry Johnson from Arkansas. I think that's going to be a big pickup. He's a Boston native. Um, I mean, playing in the SEC, he had 25 tackles last year in a pass defender. I think that's going to fill a big hole because um, two of the guys that transferred out this year, Jason Matry and TJ Burton, um, those are two big holes to fill in the secondary. Um, I think that's going to be a big-time player for us to get because um, he was pretty highly recruited um, coming out of this area um, and would be as well his future's up in the air. So, uh, that's a big hole to fill, um, and I think Curry Johnson could be that guy. It seems like Halfley's been hitting the port a little bit harder this year than he has previously. Um, and I think another big pickup for us on the O-line, this is much needed, is Kyle Hurgle from Texas State. He had a bunch of offers, too, from, I want to say it was Louisville, um, a few other power five schools, too. Um, I'm really excited about him. Um, he'll probably slot up at guard next to Christian Mahogany, who also recently announced he's staying at BC, which is good news after lots of rumors that he's going to transfer um, so, I, I mean, overall, I really uh, see in Halfley starting to hit the portal hard and try to make um, legitimate splashes and trying to get this team back and try for next year. That's one thing you, you did. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you. That's one thing you really didn't do last year. We didn't have too many transfers come in besides Woodby, really? Like, out of, you know, in Sinkfield, I guess a year yeah. ago now. But... Woodby was, yeah, they were about two years ago now. 2022, I don't even know if we had anyone big. There wasn't anyone crazy. The tight end. Takis or whatever he was. Yeah, Takis. I think he was the biggest one. He was probably the biggest one. But and then if you look at it, yeah, it's all guys from a few years ago now. So at the end of the day, you actually have to hit the portal, especially when you consider guys are leaving. You have to hit it. You don't really have an option. So I think that's one thing. Mm-hmm. He obviously knows he's to fill a lot of voids and a lot of holes now. But one thing you're saying, yeah, like the Texas State offensive lineman Hergel, whatever. I think that's a big pickup, obviously, considering the offensive line this year was really bad. I mean. You really only had a couple guys that were pretty good. And then once Mahogany went down in the preseason, that was obviously a big loss to his ACL. And then you obviously lost a lot of guys to the NFL draft last year or guys graduating, uh, mm-hmm. like Petrula. We on and off injuries, too. Grable. And injuries, too. Um, and that's the, mm-hmm. that's the hard thing. You have injuries midseason, so it never hurts to have depth. I think he'll probably start 
the kid from Texas State, but it never hurts to have depth as well. So he's obviously going to get some snaps, obviously, and he'll probably end up starting. I'd imagine when you come over as a grad transfer or as a fourth year, mm-hmm. you're going to play. Considering you only have one year to college football, you're not going to go somewhere and be a backup. A lot of the time, that's usually... Yeah, he seems ready to go. I mean, he's been in the system for five years now, so definitely a lot more college football ready than a lot of the other young guys we have coming up. Definitely. So I think that's probably a big part of it. Guys obviously want to play when they come over as their in the last year of eligibility. I know that happens a lot in college basketball, especially in college football as well, where guys want to go pro and have a chance to make it. Uh, so we'll look forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, but I think O'Keefe's something to really uh, look forward to seeing. I'm excited to see what he does last year, which we talked about his stats in person. You know, We talked about a few weeks ago, and I didn't see many of his highlights at the time. Then I looked at a couple of his highlights. But he can turn some kicks, too. He had 21 kick returns for 425 yards this past year, 20.2 on every return on average. 39 his career at UCF, 846 yards and 21.7 per, which is pretty good. Overall receiving, 184 receptions in four years with 2,002 receiving yards with 15 receiving touchdowns. Also at 39 carries of 496 yards and a rushing touchdown as well. So that's pretty good. Five touchdowns this last year, eight as a junior in 2021. It helps to have a guy out of the backfield that can line up I know he's a wide receiver, a guy that can line up out of the backfield, line up in the slot, line up as a wideout. Having a gadget guy like that's huge. I think that's going to play a big role in PC's offense this season, especially considering they're losing Gill. Jaden Williams is gone, right? I'd imagine. Uh, I assume. He hasn't transferred yet, though, so he might be actually be coming back next year. I mean, yeah, he might not have other offers I mean, in, like, in that <laughs> case. Uh, but obviously, yeah, I mean, you're, you're losing guys like Zay Flowers, Jalen Gill, Patrick Awo. You need some help on the offense. Uh, so hopefully we'll see what happens there. But I think O'Keefe's going to be a big, uh, big-time big recruit. And then I think keeping a guy like Joe Griffin's huge because I thought he was going to hit the portal. Maybe he still will. I don't know. But I thought he would already hit it by now, Joe Joe Griffin. He's mm-hmm. a stud. I thought so, too. Yeah, he's an unbelievable player. I think he might be a wide-up one next year. I mean, aside from O'Keefe, it'll probably be those two guys. And if Gil stays, um, I'd imagine those will be the three guys we roll with. Griffin's unbelievable. Um, I mean, I feel pretty good about him staying, though. I um, saw he posted something the other day about having some NIL car deal. Um, with like some dealer in Springfield, which I mean was good news, I guess for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if that means he's staying around, so definitely not a bad thing to see. And I guess I'm not surprised too, just him being a freshman. He didn't really get that much national attention just because the team, the team was so team poor was this bad. season. Not his fault, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not his um, fault. But he had a lot of big plays for us this year. That one touchdown versus NC State when he's going over back shoulder and made that one-handed catch he to beat a couple them, that game, um, right? on the road. Yeah, I think he had two that game. He had the game winner, too, which was awesome. Um, yeah, he was the best player in just offense. Just a big athletic freak. Yeah, Zay. definitely. Besides Zay. Um, and there were some games he had better games than Zay, since Zay was obviously getting the number one corner on them. And he's a big receiver also, too, Joe Griffin. So it helps having that height advantage. Mm-hmm. I do like what I saw out of Dino Tomlin towards the end of the season. Um, he didn't really get much. Yeah, he was definitely a price the last few games. Yeah, I like, I like Dino. I think he's going to probably be the wide receiver three next year. Even if he's wide receiver four, he's still going to get reps. So excited to see what he does next year. I thought he played pretty well in the last couple of games I saw, even in limited snaps. Considering this year, there's a lot of guys that are gone. We'll see. And Jaden Williams probably will still be in the rotation if he's here, obviously. So we'll see. Obviously yeah, we might have quite the letter wide receiver room next year, actually, now that we think about it. Yeah. Because Dino Tomlin definitely did um, turn a few heads in this last couple of games, especially that Syracuse game. He had that one nice catch going out of bounds. Yeah, on, uh, one of our last, I think our last scoring drive. Uh, it was Syracuse, right? Yeah, he had a couple good plays. Yeah, um, set up a Zay touchdown too towards the end. I know he had a big play. I think it was that drive, maybe the drive before. We we weren't moving the ball much in that second half. Uh, besides the touchdown to Zay, really mm-hmm. at the end, we didn't really do much. Maybe one touchdown, I can't remember, but that was a tough game. Yeah, there was just one touchdown in the second half. Yeah, brutal game, brutal finish. I mean, we were up like seventeen six. Yeah, towards the end of the third quarter, just tough finish to our career. We all fell off the bus. Tough finish mm-hmm. of career at BC. I mean, what can you do, right? You win some of yeah, those. Yeah, it's tough to see for a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we obviously knew, you know, 
It's probably going to be an uphill battle being 3-9. and nine. We're going to score many points. Uh, I didn't see this season coming, though. I knew we were going to have – I thought we were going to be mm-hmm. average at 6-6, six and six, right? Like 7-5, and five, I think, might have been my prediction. But if you're going to be 3-9, and nine, that just shows you can't move the ball on offense. You're not playing good defense. We weren't really good on either part of the game. I guess offense was a little better than defense, maybe. But even then, mm-hmm. I don't know. Both sides of the ball are going to help. You know what I mean? I mean I would, yeah, I would say that defense was still a little bit better than the offense this year, but I think – one of the big reasons the defense struggled was because they're on the field so much. Yeah, fact, fact um, that we saw that a, a lot of the time where they'd be pretty good in the first half, and then you could just tell them, tell them they'd get a little sloppy in the second half. I mean, like that Clemson game um, when we were up, what was it ten? Or no, we were down ten three at half. Yep, they actually played in the we were in first it. half. I thought, yeah, they kept this in, and then um, fell apart. Second half just couldn't get in the offense. Three and out, or three and out, and I mean, eventually they just kind of took it over and finally started putting together some scoring drives. That was the thing. We messed around too much. We messed around too much in that game. We honestly did because we had a couple yeah, we times. Had like four scoring chances. I was gonna say we turned the ball half. over once we or twice in the red zone. Uh, we got a pickoff with DeBerry. Got to like the ten yard line. We didn't get a touchdown on to that drive, which was sad. Mm-hmm. You know, and Blitz missed a field goal. Yeah, it was just all over the place. It was bad football all around. Unfortunately, uh, we did miss a field goal. Mm-hmm. It was just a missed all three phases. I think we might have missed two field goals that game. I think we missed a couple. Yeah, I think. I think we were one for three. For I goals. think that's what it was. I mean, at the end of the day, we probably weren't going to beat that team anyways, but we obviously fell apart. That was obviously a big reason. We just did not find ourselves mm-hmm. in the game in the second half. First half was pretty good, 10-3, holding it to 10 points was impressive, and you made a good point. The defense was always on the field. The offense probably has more talent than the defense, though, I would say, so it's probably more disappointing as an offense, obviously, considering the defense, like you said, was on the field 60% of the mm-hmm. game probably, which you're not going to get much help when they're out there in their gas, especially considering Clemson has a lot of speed. Even though they're not as good as they once were, they still have a lot of speed, uh, so you're going to mm. get gas pretty quick. Which is yeah, tough. it's tough to beat a team like that with those kind of playmakers. Um, one thing I thought concerning though, this season from the team was a lot of the regression of players that we've seen. I mean, you know, Halfley being like a big defensive back guy, it seemed like our passing defense got notably worse from last year. Um, I think last year we had like number three passing defense in the country or something I want to say. Um, and this year just got a little sloppy at times, especially towards the end of the season when it seemed like the team was starting to give up. Um, and morale was low. Um, things definitely took a hit. I mean, we saw guys like DeBerry, um, CJ Burton, who had a pretty like surprisingly um, impactful freshman year. Everyone seemed to regress a little bit. I would um, agree with that. Everyone. You gotta wonder say, if it's yeah. due to coaching. He regressed, and then you look at the offense. Even Gower regressed heavily. The offensive line's probably part of that. Uh, Phil Jakovic regressed mm-hmm. heavily. Yeah. Even more. Jakovic regressed even more. I did. I thought he was tailing yeah, off the end of last year, obviously with the injury, and then. He was even worse by the end of the season, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I don't know. Last game, but he played this week happened, nine. But... His last game mm-hmm. against UConn, I think. What was that? Week eight or something? It's like October, so week seven or eight. Yeah, it was Halloween. That was the end of him. That was the end of the BC, really. Um, so he's going to Pittsburgh. I mean, right, it's, it's tough to come back from that. He's losing to UConn, first time ever for BC. UConn, Rutgers, Maine was in the game at halftime. You know, I'm a big UMaine fan. Oh, they were yeah. in the game. <laughs> Tough game for basketball, which we don't got to get into, unfortunately. But tough game for the basketball team. They were, actually they had a bad. A, a, I wouldn't say a bad first half. They were down twenty-one at half to to Ohio State, which isn't great, obviously. But Ohio State has a lot of speed, a lot yeah, of height. Ohio State's an elite team. Thirty, I think it was forty-eight to thirty-five was a second half scoring. So they were only down thirteen second half score. They end up losing the game. I think it was by thirty-four. Which, long story short, yeah, I mean it's a bad score. But I saw a lot of progress in that second half. I did watch every minute. Tough game for Ohio. Uh, tough game for Maine versus Ohio State in basketball, but. I still ride with them, though. They're dogs. So, there's my recap. I don't yeah, they're going to too much. <laughs> they're gonna get into it too much because they didn't win. But it's okay. You know, what can you do, right? You win something, lose some. There's my loss. Uh, but uh, considering 
Considering what we were saying about Jakovic, though, he was regressing. It was only a matter of time until Emmett Moore had took over and, you know, was the starter. And that's what they're rolling with next year. And now we can get into the transfers. I mean, Jakovic's one of them. Transferred to Pittsburgh for his last year eligibility. I didn't even know he had a last year eligibility until, like, you said it, like, week seven and week eight. I didn't even know he still had another year left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had the uh, redshirt year at Notre Dame and then the COVID year. So this will be a sixth year coming up. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. I mean, that he's already at the sticks. I felt like he was so young, like, coming into B.C., yeah, his first starting job, and then he's getting up there. Just with, like that, uh, a couple of mediocre seasons later, he's getting up there with a few other guys, like Anthony Brown and stuff, for seventh and eighth years. <laughs> yeah. Brevin Galloway, gonna be a seventh year on campus. Yeah, Brevin Galloway. It's gonna be a dog year at that point. I mean, seven years, he might as well be. <laughs> um, but he'll be going to Pittsburgh. PhD, honestly, could be. He's getting close, but he's going to Pittsburgh to you know rejoin forces with uh, Frank Signetti, the former officer coordinator at BC, is the OC now at Pittsburgh. So maybe he'll revive his career. I don't know. I mean, I'm rooting for him. Hopefully, he does well, but. Uh, I think it was mechanics mm. just did not look good. It wasn't even like he still has a good. I don't know. He's just throwing weird. Uh, the wrist doesn't yeah, come all the way it was down. Yeah, the decision making too. For decision me. making. I mean, he still has a good arm. I don't know. It's just it was kind of everything I'd say with him. I don't really know if there was one thing you could pinpoint. You know, his decision making, mm-hmm. fumbling. Uh, he kicked the ball once when he's trying to. You know, he lost the ball and then as he's trying to get it, kicked it. Uh, that was bad. Threw some bad picks. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just a lot, a lot of bad, bad things. This season. Mm-hmm. It was disappointing. Yeah. I think- Rutgers obviously a brutal game. Then coming into that Virginia Tech week two, I mean Virginia Tech wasn't even very good this year, and I think it was the second play of the game threw a pick right to Virginia Tech D back, and it was just first play, right? Head scratching almost. Yeah, I think it might have been the first play on offense actually, um, and it was just brutal to see because I mean it's week two and we're trying to bounce back from a horrible week one losing to Rutgers, and that's the first play of the game, and I mean it's hard. Hard to justify that one. Um, yeah, you really can't. Just have to see. It's hard. Because definitely still rooting for him at Pitt. If you start well, out you got to again. Uh, it can help him out a little bit. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, that's his hometown, too. I mean, he's from Pittsburgh, so maybe that'll give him some juice and he'll get going. Obviously, he's got a big, big, uh, you know, structure or whatever. He's 6'5". He's got a big frame, so that's a big part of making in the NFL. They do like, you know, obviously the measurables. And he's 6'5". Decent weight. Got a good mm-hmm. arm, too. I mean, I think he has a chance, obviously, getting drafted maybe 6th, 7th round just based off that. But at the end of the day, just Yeah, I still think based on that, and it's like previous Dan because I mean two years ago he was presumed to be a future first second round pick so I think just based on that and the size like you're saying still not out the question that if he has a decent year I can see him going sixth or seventh round and then obviously, the has, obviously that's obviously depends on how he does this year too like you said so we'll see what happens there's some other guys I mean that are in the portal CJ Burton you said's in the portal he isn't left right officially mm-hmm. so yeah that's sure a tough one I ready to uh, commit to BC in a long time so obviously sucks to see that happen um didn't do, honestly, that much in the field as I was hoping this past season. Um, I mean, being such a highly touted prospect, I was kind of expecting him to be like one of the guys in our secondary. And it seemed like he was kind of in and out of the rotation at times. Um, but that being said, we have a pretty low defensive back row right now with the freshman Amari Johnson. Um, or a lot of big offers, actually, like from Tennessee and a couple other big-time schools, mm-hmm. um, who actually look pretty good. Amari Jackson, actually. Um, but Curry think, Johnson, the other guy coming from Arkansas too. That's it's a big addition. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really still. I'm not really worried yet about the secondary for next year, just because of those transfers and young guys we have coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely a tough loss. Him would be and Matry all of the defensive backfield. I mean, it's definitely not ideal, but it seems like we have answers at least in the defensive back room. Um, yeah, definitely. still a little worried about some other areas. Um, but it definitely seems like Halfley's trying to fill the holes with guys that are actually ready to play versus high schoolers this year. Which is definitely a nice change of pace. Definitely. Now, at least. We'll lose some guys in the D line, which there's that Michigan D lineman, George Rooks, 
Uh, I think you mentioned he'll be at BCFC, an incoming transfer. And then you look at you losing some guys, like Marcus Valdez is graduating. But you've got Ezraku coming back. I think he has one year left of eligibility, right? One or two. Uh, I think he's two. Two. And then Sheeta Salah, he'll be back. So you got George mm-hmm. Rooks, Sheeta Salah in the D-line, Ezraku. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, Sheeta Salah will have his fifth-year eligibility. He had an injury this past year and got shoulder surgery. So he'll be back. For a fifth-year mm-hmm. BC, which would be pretty cool. You're losing guys like Valdez. That's obviously tough. Losing a veteran like him. Losing Jason Matry's big. He'll be going to Liberty. I'm a big Jason Matry guy. He's probably my favorite player on the team. So, hard to see him go. Yeah, like him I respect him going, though. You obviously want to get a, a, a change of scenery. If you have another year of eligibility, you might as well go to a new school, try to stand out a little more to scout. So, wishing him nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of him and the way he plays. He hustles every single play, kind of like my prototypical yeah, player. player. My prototypical mm-hmm. player that I'm a fan of. Hustles every play, doesn't give up. <laughs> Tries to, you know, give everything he's got every play, and that's why I'm a big Clippers guy. So Jason Matrix fit on the Clippers pretty well. If you ever made a chance, if you ever made a change to play basketball, he'd, he'd be a clip in my opinion. <laughs> I'm a big fan of him, too. Just the way he hustles and the way he plays. He's always hitting hard and everything, always giving his all. Um, so obviously, tough to see him go, but also wish him nothing but the best at Liberty. Um, honestly, a little surprised he ended up with Liberty. So I saw he had a couple big offers, um, Florida State being one of them. And being a guy originally from Florida, I was kind of surprised to see that. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma State, too, who's had a couple of good years in the last few seasons. Um, another big-time school. Definitely. Uh, but Liberty's been pretty good the last couple of years, too. So, I guess... Top 25, typically. So, and I think probably... Just smaller conference. He knows he's going to play probably there, too. Florida State, they probably have four or five-star recruits coming in. They recruit very well. And they had a really good mm-hmm. really good year, too, Florida State. I'm sure they have really good recruits coming in. I think they were 9-3. and three, So, he probably sees, okay, you know, I could go there and obviously be at a bigger school, but... Playing time might be tough. This is my last year to try to make it. So might as well go somewhere like Liberty where I'm probably guaranteed a spot. Because that's usually what happens when you're a fourth or fifth year player, which I know some of the Northeastern basketball players I was friends with, a lot of that would end up transferring. It was because of playing time. And they would know, well, I only have one year of eligibility. I'm not going to play here. So I'm going to go somewhere I can actually play to try to make it somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's probably in his mind as well. Uh, I'm happy to see him land at a school like Liberty, who's pretty good, and then also maybe get himself a chance to play at the NFL level. I, I'm obviously rooting for him to do well. Um, wish him nothing but the best of luck. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then last big news, I guess, in terms of transfers um, for BC. Kind of already touched on this, but Christian Mahogany announced uh, a week or two ago that he's staying um, for one more year at BC, which is huge um, to have our best alignment back, um, despite all those rumors of him potentially transferring. Um, definitely good to have him back and kind of cement that O-line room, which is actually starting to shape up to be decent next year with Trapillo returning, Drew Kendall returning, um, now Mahogany, and then Hurdle coming in. And we'll see who ends up taking that last tackle spot. Maybe Jack Colney again. We'll see if we find another answer for that spot. Um, need competition. That being said, at least, mm-hmm, you know, definitely need competition, which I think will be beneficial. Um, I mean, we got at least four guys that we know will be solid, which is good. Definitely a Nice change of pace from last year. Definitely. I mean, there's some question marks of who's coming back still. Like you said, C.J. Burton, I mean, he's still on the portal. Who knows if he'll end up being back. He'll probably end up leaving. But Gawo and Jalen mm-hmm. Gill, we'll see what happens there with both of those guys. And then Kevin Pine mm-hmm. to URI, he didn't really play much anyways. Played a little bit, I guess, at the end of the year. But he's not really too mm-hmm. big of a loss, yeah. I'd say, because he didn't play much. Yeah, he didn't see much action at all. I mean, coming in as a four-star recruit, I thought he'd be one of the answers for the O-line this year, but it seemed like... Um, for some reason, the coaching staff wasn't very high on him. Um, so hopefully he'll get to see some more minutes at URI. Um, and then Burton, too. I'm sure he has a bunch of big offers, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in the next couple of weeks. I mean, coming out of high school, he was originally, originally committed to Florida. He had offers from Bama, Clemson, pretty much every big school you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely got loads of offers right now. Um, sure. So and then, I think it's very likely that he ends up somewhere else. 
I'd agree with you there. And then also Jaden would be as well in the portal, or he's going to the NFL draft. I don't know. His goodbye post to BC wasn't very clear about what he was doing, whether he was going to the portal or going to the NFL. I don't really know which, what he plans. Maybe both. I don't know what he was doing, but uh, obviously mm-hmm. he'll have to make a decision, but wasn't too sure what he was doing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing because, I mean, no one really knows, I guess, about him at this point. So, um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he has one extra year of eligibility, though, um, just to try to cement his draft stock. Um, but also, his age is getting up there. I want to say he's 23 years old now. He might Probably. be 22. Yeah. I think he was already. a sixth year this, year. this he, year. If he's not a sixth now, he's a sixth going into this year, no matter what. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, because he had a couple injuries, too, so I think he might have an extra year of eligibility. Yeah, it's probably part um, of it. So, I mean, he's, he's getting up to the age probably where you want to start. If you want to go to the NFL, the time is probably now. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But we'll see. I guess it depends how NFL ready he feels. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think he could definitely be a player in the future. I mean, he's got the measurables for it. He's got the speed. Yeah, he's got good builds. Uh, he's obviously played at two big schools. I mean, BC's not the biggest football school. Florida State is. Now he's playing at BC as well. Played, you know, at both schools. So he has film from both universities. If he ends up going to another school, I mean, that's just another, you know, set of scouts looking at him. Obviously, a new set of eyes. So maybe he ends up transferring, mm-hmm. going somewhere else. But I'd imagine he probably would try for the NFL draft. And then, if he's, you know, working out in the, you know, let's say January, February, and realize, hey, you know, I'm not going to make it, he might go back and, you know, try to transfer somewhere for next season. He's still got time, obviously, to probably decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see what happens there, and uh, we'll definitely have another episode within the next month and kind of recap. Uh, whatever happens Update. in the next month, there's gonna be a lot of movement, yeah, you know, with the BC roster um, in terms of commitments and transfers coming in and out of the program. Still, um, I mean, everything—it's only been what one or two weeks now, and everything's just been so hectic. Two weeks, just about college football. So, I mean, it's end of finals. So some kids might wait until you know semester ends to official, you know, officially declared or that they're in the portal, stuff like that. So there's a lot obviously going on. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But those are the big yeah, names. Yeah, the next BC three weeks will be crazy. We just kind of broke down the big names. I mean, they lost a couple of other guys like Daylon Maynard. He's in the portal, um, maybe one or two others. But those are really the big, big-time you know, players that are leaving for the most part, like would-be and Burton mm-hmm. and Matry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely all the guys that play for the most part, which honestly I'm kind of surprised. I thought more guys were going to train through, to be honest. Um, I mean, But it'll be interesting to see if in the next couple of weeks if uh, guys like Garwell and Jalen Gill decide to stay or leave. Um, mm-hmm. No word from them yet, but, obviously, yeah. which I'm honestly a little surprised by. I think, yeah, I don't know, I – Goward didn't have too good of a season, so at the end of the day, I mean, this might be his best chance to play, though, honestly. Like, you know what I mean? If the mm. coach staff has trust, you know, in him still, I mean, he'll probably end up staying, I'd imagine, since he probably yeah, won't Yeah, imagine if he stays, he'll be the starter next year still. That's probably why I think he will, Just right? a good year in 2021. Mm. Yeah, he was decent. He, had, he obviously had some good talent and hit the hole pretty well in 2021 as a, was he a junior, and now as a senior this year, just really did not have the best year. But, I mean, there weren't many guys in our class. Our senior class, there weren't that many. He was one of the few. That was pretty good, besides Zay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, him, Zay, Shida, Salah. Salah, that was it. That's the top three right there. I mean, Jackson Ness played, too. So I guess that's yeah, like DeBerry, too. DeBerry, DeBerry's a big one. That's five right there. But Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does, too. That's another one that seemed like he was going to be an NFL prospect for this draft, but I don't think there's been a ton of buzz around his name. Um, yeah. Also, he, like we've said, I mean, it's tough with the season they had, too, to get eyes on the team. I mean, yeah, scouts are watching our games. It's typically us getting blown out, or at least not getting blown mm-hmm. out. We're not in many games, so they might turn the TV off and you might lose some scouts' eyes, you know what I mean? So, obviously hurts having that happen. But I think DeBerry obviously has good talent. He's just on the shorter end, the smaller end. That's probably why he'd probably be a later mm-hmm. pick, but he, has, he obviously has good playmaking ability and has a good IQ for the game. So I'm rooting for him to come back to BC if he ends up choosing to go to the NFL or try to. You know, I wish him nothing but the best of luck there as well. Yeah, for sure. In the same way. Um, let's get into some D.C. basketball. Uh, big win last night. 
as you mentioned, overtime win over number 21 ranked Virginia Tech. 76-65, uh, improving our to 7-6 in the year. What would you see in that game? What did you like? One thing I liked about the BC in, BC in that game, I mean, they're coming into it as 9.5-point underdogs. This was the ACC home opener, which they had some tough losses at home already to start the year. UMaine was a tough loss at home. UNH was a tough loss at home. Besides really Stonehill, which that was even a close game for a little bit towards the end as well. I mean, BC yeah. hasn't really blown out anyone at home. Detroit Mercy was a close game. Uh, and then also Cornell was a close game. So you had to figure a bigger school coming in like Virginia Tech. It'd be easy to get, you know, down in the game and just quit. BC found themselves down by 9 or 10 at one point. Stayed in the game. Obviously fought. Second half. Went to OT. Got the win. Uh, and obviously when you look at the box score, it's going to be something exciting. But one thing I saw was hustle. That was big for the BC team. And even though they found themselves down at some points in the game, which I only watched, I watched the first half, then like the last three or four minutes of the second half, and then saw OT. Uh, but one of the things I saw, though, in that last three or four minutes was they were playing good defense, limiting turnovers. I mean, they still turn the ball over probably too much for my liking, but I mean, that's probably just going to happen, especially when there's traps and teams, you know, press. But I was proud of them, the way they fought. Now 7-6 in the air, like you said, and that's going into ACC playing a high note. Considering the loss to UNH and the loss to UMaine was tough, you got to put that behind you. Start out your home mm-hmm. schedule, you know, against the ACC teams at home on a high note. And even though there weren't really, really many fans there, I mean, there were still fans of the game, but there were no students. They probably been even more electric if there were students there. But, I mean, hey, it wins a win. I'll take it. I'm yeah, proud of Earl Grant. Earl Grant, great coach. He's doing big things, obviously. And I think those losses weren't his fault to Maine and UNH. It's just the team just can't stop turning the ball over. They can't shoot threes, really, for the most part, at least consistently. And I don't blame him for mm-hmm. either one of those. And free throw shooting as well, which we know BC doesn't really do too well overall, you know, last year or this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, it's been tough with the injuries, too. A lack of a solid big man like Quinton Post, I think it's been really tough for the team to defend the interior. Um, yeah. Supposedly he's coming back in a couple of weeks, um, maybe as early as next week. Um, but one bright spot, I thought, um, from the game last night, or two nights ago now, uh, Devin McLaughlin, I thought, played unbelievably. Um, he really stepped up and filled the big man role at the end of the game. He was finishing in the paint. He was making big plays in defense, grabbing a lot of big rebounds. Um, going against a lot of guys on... Virginia Tech that were simply just bigger than him. Um, and he played like a true center. Despite being a little on the smaller side, I think he's maybe 6'8", I want to say. I mean, he's not much bigger than like Prince of League Bay. Um, Probably similar, yeah. Though, him, too, had an absolutely great game. Um, played really well, hitting a three at the end of the half, and then um, having a big floater in the second half, too, um, kind of bringing the team back. Um, another guy, Mackay, um, I thought he was the best player in the game. I think those were probably the biggest three players that we had in that game. Um, a guy had 21 points on 8-15 shooting, had a couple big free throws down the stretch, um, and, I mean, ultimately just kind of sealed the game with that three-pointer for BC. Um, it was deep, too, at the end of the shot clock, coming down the stretch in overtime. So that was huge. It was great to see everything really come together towards the end, and I think this is a big statement win for Earl Grant. Um, a lot of people, I think, had a little bit too high expectations coming into this year, uh, but now you can start to see um, kind of what he's building and, even though this has taken some time, and as it should take time, I mean, a big-time college uh, basketball program can't be built overnight. Um, having a big ranked win like this for the first time since 2020, actually, um, is just huge in terms of confidence for the team. And I think they're starting to realize that they can play with these other big-time teams. Um, and I think we're going to start to see more of this going forward and um, a lot more energy that we're going to play with. And I just think where the team's at right now, I'm still not expecting to you know, be in the tournament or anything crazy or start consistently beating ranked teams on a regular basis. Um, this just happened to be a great game for the team, but I just think we can finally start to see where this program's heading, and it's definitely in the right direction. Definitely, and that's one positive, like you were saying, I mean, it's building, and 
One thing BC did better at in this game, they've been struggling with was turnovers. They only had nine turnovers in this game. So that's part of building a winning program is you're limiting ways you can lose. You limit turnovers. You're hitting free throws. BC shot a little bit better from the free throw out in this game, uh, 9 of 12, which is 75% is pretty good, actually. Uh, but three-pointers, that was yeah. a struggle. Three of 19 from three, 15.8% from the three-point line. That was still a struggle. But when you want to w- build a winning program, it starts on defense, which BC played pretty good defense. I mean, they had seven steals to Virginia Tech's four, and they had nine turnovers to Virginia Tech's 15. You have to limit turnovers and focus on small basketball, you know, focus on winning games on smaller pots of game, like limiting turnovers and hitting free throws. And that's how you start a winning program, I think. That's how you develop a culture is winning games, especially gritty games like that. I know he says gritty, not pretty. I mean, that's just one of those wins. I think there's probably more pretty, actually, considering, you know, Virginia Tech was number number, 20, number 21 team in the country. I mean, you're going to beat them. It doesn't matter if it's gritty or pretty. I'd say it was both, though. That game, I, I would say, is a yeah, pretty definitely one. both. Uh, considering mm-hmm. BC played very well in the second half, even the first half, but second half, and then obviously in overtime, too, playing great defense. I mean, that all factors mm-hmm. in. Yeah, and like you said, too, that great defense just suffocating all game. I think this is probably the first time all season I feel like the defense is really suffocating, gritty, like you've been saying, um, and preaching. I mean, hands were just always in the lane. Guys were getting bumped. It was a very physical game. The refs actually kind of let the guys just played, which I really liked, and I think it worked out in our favor, um, just being able to play physical, because that's just kind of a team that Earl wants to build. Um, so that was great to see, just hands in the passing lanes at all times, a lot of bump steals, um, and a lot of missed passes from Virginia Tech, I think, just as a result of our smothering defense, um, kind of doubling guys on the perimeter at times. We took away a lot of their open shots. Earl Graham mentioned at halftime that that was one of the keys of the game, was just to eliminate the three-pointer, which Virginia Tech used so heavily. Um, that really ended up working in our favor. We held them to 25% from three, um, which was huge going as a ranked team like that. You can't let them get open threes because they'll make you pay for them. Um, I mean, a team like that, too, you got to play, do everything right on defense, and the team really did um, rebound into, didn't really go up many offensive rebounds at all, actually, um, which is kind of surprising because usually that's kind of one of the issues we have, um, just kind of giving up boxing out and everything. Um, overall, yeah. I thought everything on the defensive end looked much better than uh, it has previously. Definitely, I'd agree with that. And if you look at me, they won six in a row. They were 11-1. and one. They're only lost before this game. Was the college was to the College of Charleston, Earl Grant's former school, and they're having a great year, twelve and one record on the year. Probably gonna win the CAA, that's Northeastern's conference. But that was their only other loss, and I'm sure he probably got some tips from the guys he still knows at Charleston saying, Hey, you know, what did you see in that game when you were coaching against them and give me some tips and, and, and tools that we can use for our game when B C plays them. I think he probably called them and got some mm-hmm. insight obviously what they saw. They beat uh, Virginia Tech. This is Charleston beat Virginia Tech seventy seven to seventy five on Sunday, November twentieth. That was a big win. I mean, they had a great second half. Uh, or first half, they were up by five at, you know, 35-30 after the first half against Tech. And then scored 42 points in the second half. Rhodes scored 45-42. Still ended up winning the game by two. But Charleston dominated on the glass 30-29. to They out-rebounded Tech, which is pretty impressive. And then they also shot the three-pointer pretty well, uh, 35% as a team, which isn't bad. Uh, it's 30-59 of 59 from the four, 58-1%. But that's one thing. I'm sure you probably got some tips and insight from them and, from them and used it in that game. And then you end up getting a big win. Obviously, now BC and Tech, are their two, two Tech's only losses, they're only two, uh, to College of Charleston and BC. So that's pretty cool. I just yeah, noticed that. See I, know that. I mean, it, considering their wins especially, too, I mean, they've beaten a lot of big teams already in this North Carolina. Um, Penn State, North Carolina, Minnesota, and the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Oklahoma um, State. Dayton, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, it's just – and they're 11-1. We're 11-1 up until the game against us a couple nights ago, so – I mean, just beating a team like that, what a confidence booster this must be for the BC team riding into the next 10-day break um, for the holidays uh, with a statement win like that is just huge. Um, I mean, in front of really no crowd, too, all the students being gone. And, I mean, already knowing the low attendance at BC, just telling the screen kind of how dead it was in Conti. Um, 
Which Definitely. honestly surprised we were able to pull off a big game like that um, in that kind of environment. Um, but I think it just goes to show what Earl's building right now. Definitely. I think it go either way when you're playing by yourself, really, without really many fans. I mean, there were still some fans in the game, obviously not the students, but it can go either way. You can look mm-hmm. at it and say, oh, oh, this is our last game before break. Oh, let's just, you know, get a win. Or let's actually just get out of here and who cares if we win. That happens too. He's mm-hmm. just looking forward to the break. And then other times you say, hey, this is our last game, you know, for a couple of weeks now. Let's try to get a win and, you know, end the regular season, the first third of the regular season on a high note. And that's probably part of it. I think that's probably what factored in. Uh, but obviously, at the end of the day, when yeah, you look at it, and you see a break coming, a lot of times people look forward to that, and they just don't care about the outcome. But obviously, that was different in this game, and uh, I'm obviously happy with the way they fought. Earl Grant, it's a big statement win for them, like you said, and hopefully it's a building thing. Obviously, now they've got two big games coming up. They have Duke, January 7th, uh, but they play right before they play Syracuse on December 31st at Syracuse, then home versus Notre Dame on January 3rd, and then Saturday, January 7th, Home versus Duke, who's number 14 in the country right now, 10-3 and three on the year. Uh, you want to tell them what's going to happen on that Duke day? Yeah, so we got a big day that day, uh, January 7th at 1 p.m. Um, tune in to 90.3 WZBC. We'll have a link on our channels as well. Uh, Joey and I are commentating the game um, for WZBC. We couldn't be more excited. Uh, we'll be doing play-by-play in color. We haven't really figured out who's going to do what yet. Um, but we're both super pumped to do it. Uh, first time commentating a basketball game for me. Is it same for you? Yeah, my first time commentating basketball, I'd say for sure. I don't really remember any other times. So, yeah, I'd say it's my, probably my first. I did baseball. Yeah, I've never done it, so. Uh, nothing like official like this. You know what I mean? I just used to mess mm-hmm. around with nothing like officially on the radio. So this would be pretty cool. Obviously, like you said, we'll figure out what we're going to do. I mean, I'm good with, with either one. I think it'll just be a fun experience. No matter what, you know, I'm color or play-by-play. I'm fine with either, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun just to get out there and mess around a little bit, have a good time. Hopefully, uh, get some good seats. Yeah, to watch a good dude team. Hopefully, get a win. Town. That game's always fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be get a win fun, on live radio, so definitely tune in there. Uh, yeah, pumped for that for sure. I mean, that's our last time playing Duke while we're at BC. So if we go out on a high note, it'd be a good way to good way to do it. You know what I mean? So hopefully, get a win. Yeah, no better way to do it than being on air too. Definitely. I mean, the energy you'd have to you have to definitely speak about the energy through this obviously radio since no one's there live like us. So. You have to, you know, describe mm-hmm. the, the moments and yeah. everything. That'd obviously be huge. But I'm excited, though. That'd be fun, obviously. We'll bring January 7th. Ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring it. January 7th, 1 o'clock, like Zach said, home at Conti Forum versus Duke. Uh, it should be a big game. So I'm excited for that. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, bug it for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so now what we move think? on. Oh, my fault. What were you saying? You were, you know, oh, you no. Know. I was going to say, you want to get into Celtics? Yeah, I was going to say, let's jump right into the Celtics, keep it on basketball. Now we'll jump over to the Celtics, keep talking basketball. BC basketball now to the Celts. Celts obviously twenty two and ten on the year. They've been struggling a little bit as of late. One four in their last five games was three straight. They did get a win tonight though. Heading into tonight, they were one four in their last five. Now with twenty three and ten on the year, I guess two and four in their last six. Uh, but they did have three losses in a row heading into tonight. Got the win against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a pretty good win. But what have you thought of the Celtics as of late, or as or I guess on the season as a whole, and then as of late as well? Yeah, I mean, good win tonight. Um, Jalen Brown played pretty well, leading the way at thirty six points. Um, it's been disappointing to watch the last couple of games. I mean, losing back-to-back games at home to the Magic and then to the Pacers, it's just it's hard to watch. Um, honestly, I wasn't too disappointed in the Pacers game, just the way we came back in the second half. I mean, we were down, I want to say, 30 points at halftime. And 36, I think it was, ta- like, highest, oof. yeah. Yeah, ended up bringing it back and lost by five, um, which is unfortunate because we brought it back to within 10 with, a few, uh, I want to say, six or seven minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought we were going to bring it back eventually, um, but it was just tough. I mean... The shooting was brutal from the team. I mean, what do we shoot overall? It, it wasn't good. Uh, as a team, um, we shot 39%. 39% as a team overall, and then 32% from three uh, overall in the game. They were shooting very well, though, from three. 46.2%, 18 to 39. They were drilling their threes, and we obviously turned yeah, the ball over well. a ton, too. Neesmith had a good return game in Boston. He uh, did. 
15 points. Neesmith did have a good game. 15.6 uh, rebounds. Halliburton, too. He's a really good player. I think he was a big piece for the pace of moving forward. I think he's going to be a future star in the league. Yeah, he's playing I'm a big well. fan of him. He's having a good year. I think I like that trade for both teams, actually. I like Sabonis. I thought. I did, too. Sabonis is a good fit for the Kings, too. They're pretty good right now. They're turning around. I'm proud of them. I got a lot of teams in the West, don't I? But the Kings are one of them. Yeah, so some, many. I got a ton. The Clippers and Kings are two Kings. of them. I like the Wiggs a little because of Yeah, that's probably a big too. Timberwolves, I like. I like Timbo's a little just because I love Anthony Edwards. And I like Gobert, even though Gobert I think is underrated. I like Cat. I know not many people are Cat fans. I like Howard Anthony Towns a lot. Uh, but I'd say the Clippers is my number one team. Grizzlies. Grizzlies, yeah, I like Ja a little. I'd say, I'd say my top two. It's definitely Kings and Clippers. And after that, I like the league because I don't like uh, the Timbo. Where are the Celtics in there? I know they're East. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd say Clippers are still one, probably oh, Celtics too. Clippers are definitely one. Okay. Clippers are definitely one. I haven't really thought about the I'll rankings. Take I really thought about the rankings up. I know Clippers, no one really matches them. But, I mean, I think everyone knows that at this point. The moment I talk about the Clippers, people know that. So, it's obviously nothing I'm, I'm hiding, you know. <laughs> uh, but, like you were saying, the um, Celtics, big win, though. Obviously, tonight, a rebound win over the Timberwolves. What have you seen? Yeah, got to get things back on track. What have you seen out of the, you know, overall in the season? I know 23-10 and 10 record, that's obviously great. They've been shooting the ball very well. Obviously, you're a big Tatum fan. What have you seen out of him? He's had a great year. Obviously, a couple um, off nights, but that's just going to happen. Every player is an mm-hmm. off night. Uh, but he's been playing very well overall in the season, which is encouraging. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely love the way Tatum's been playing this year. I think he's having an MVP campaign. Um, he's definitely ended up being a finalist this year. Um, just the volume that he's scoring, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why he's had a couple slump nights. Um, and it just happens, too, with guys that shoot at that volume and level. Um, but he's been super efficient for us. Um, I think he's really taken over as a leader of this team and a superstar in the NBA. Um, and I love the way he's embraced wanting to win more than anything. Last night, um, or two nights ago after the game, they were asking him about um, potentially being an MVP, and he responded that the only thing he cares about is winning the championship right now, uh, which as a Celtics fan, I love to hear, because um, that should be the goal for everyone right now, especially if they're a tough loss to the Warriors. Um, I really think that game, too, last Saturday night against the Warriors kind of set off um, this slight cold streak we've had. I guess it was two Saturdays ago now. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, yeah we, were at our, uh, secret, yeah. we were at Secret Santa watching this game. Yes, and, and uh, on a Saturday night, December 10th. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was just something mental that was wrong with the team. I think they kind of came in a little nervous knowing that they were playing the team they lost to um, and kind of just got dominated by in the last two games of the last series last year um, in the finals. Um, I think it was a big revenge game, and I think something they felt a little bit off that game, and I think since then, to finish up that road trip, um, we had a good one against the Lakers, but tough loss against the Clippers. Um, kind of looking the same as the Warriors. Now they've just been sluggish all week. Um, but it's good to see us get that rebound win versus the T-Wolves. Um, I think this little cold streak will subside, though. I mean, it just happens in a long 82-game season. We knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, we weren't going to stay winning, you know, five games, six games, nine games, whatever in a row consistently. Um, I mean, only losing one game here or there. So it's good to see us get back on track. Um, I saw a stat today. We actually, this also the longest team by hundreds of days to lose to not lose four or five games in a row. I want to say it was five games in a row. Um, it was like 600-something days since we've lost five in a row, with like the Bucks being second with like 150 or something, which is a good stat for us. Um, but definitely like the way we've been playing overall this year. Um, looking ahead at the Christmas game versus the Bucks, um, that's definitely the other team to beat right now in the East. I'm a little worried about them, just to be honest, in general, um, and then being healthy again this year. Um, but I still think we're the number one team in the league. And I still got us winning the championship, but I just think the way Tatum's been playing, the way... The ball movements look this year, too, being the number one offense in the league right now. Um, I really just don't see anyone that can beat this team right now on a good day. Um, 
I mean, the three-point shooting, too, has been great. Um, I love the addition of Hauser. I mean, he's been with the team for a couple of seasons now, but um, him really coming into his own this year. Grant's looking better. Um, Brogdon was a great addition as well. So I think overall this team's definitely headed in the right direction, and I still see a championship season to radar despite uh, recent struggles. Yeah, the last week and a half, two weeks, like you said, that Warriors game they lost, then they lost since that Warriors game to tonight, before tonight's game, in their last six games since the Warriors game. So before tonight's game, they were 1-5 in, in their last six, with their one win being against the Lakers in OT. The Celtics found themselves down in that game, 13 points, down 13 with 425 to go. They end up Yeah, we were, we were up 20 at one point in the second half and then blew it. Blew it. And, and then, then I mean, got, got it back, 1-0. So, I mean, they could have been 0-6 over that stretch, which, you know, was obviously devastating considering how hot, you know, they started. They started very, yeah, very hot. They're playing very quick. Uh, but at the end of the day, you I mean you're gonna struggle mid season being one and five or six game stretch you never want to do. But it obviously could have been 0 and six or have been worse. Now you've got a big rebound win tonight over the Timberwolves. I mean that's a big win. Obviously considering the Timberwolves have a lot of talent. I mean they don't have as good of a year as I thought. I mean it's still early in the year, but they're sixteen and seventeen now, a game under five hundred. I thought they were gonna be the fourth seed in the West. I was a big fan of them. I like Gobert a lot, yeah, I like Cat a lot. Uh, it's still a long season. I still think they can make some noise, you know, towards the end of the year. Yeah, I still think they'll be a playoff team, I agree. Definitely. They got the talent for it. Still, you know, 45-plus games to go. Edwards will wake up a little bit, too. He's kind of had a slow year compared to last season. Yeah. I think we'll get back there. I mean, a good game tonight, 30 points, 6 rebounds. But I'm a big fan of him. Uh, and then considering, I mean, Celtics lost a lot of those games, that six-game stretch on the road, uh, losing to the Warriors, and the Clippers on the road, you know, in the West, mm-hmm. and then losing to the Lakers. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when you're playing on the road in the West, we typically used to struggle out there. We'd always lose to the Kings out there uh, for some reason, even though yeah. they were bad. Right. And it's just playing in the West, which I watch those games because of De'Aaron, so... I'm always watching those. But, uh, yeah, I think at the end of the day, considering you lose the wars, you said, I think that obviously put them on a downward spiral. But getting a big recovery win tonight's huge for the team. And, obviously, now they got the Bucks on Christmas Day, and that's a big game, like you said, considering the Bucks having a really good year and obviously one of the best teams in the league, just like the Celts. So that should be a high-powered match. I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely looking forward to that as we get further along in the season, seeing um, how his team continues to perform. Um, I'm definitely optimistic they'll go on to the rest of the year. Um, I mean, slumps happen, and it seems like we're starting to work our way out of this. It was a good win tonight, so everyone contributed, which is good to see. Um, that's always a sign when things are headed in the right direction. Um, Definitely. Because those last couple of games, it was a little one-sided with Tatum and Brown doing a lot of the scoring. Brown had a couple very inconsistent nights in there, too, kind of showing some flashes of what we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals versus Miami last year, and he struggled a lot taking care of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. But good to see the team getting back on track. Yeah, I'd say turnovers, sure, that's so. one thing. Like you said, they turn the ball over a lot. And then uh, one thing is like, I, I like the three-point shooting. I obviously think that's a big plus when they're shooting 40% from the fields or from the three-point line. But I think you can't get too reliant on I know they don't really have that big guy or big man in the paint since Robert Williams is really just getting back now. And Blake Griffin, I mean, mm-hmm. he's not the same player he once was. And Al Horford's been banged up. So you don't really have a presence really in the paint. And that's probably the reason they're relying on the threes a lot. But I think come... April, May, you're going to want to use the paint, obviously, more and not shoot as many threes since you're going to have cold nights. And in the playoffs, cold nights, you know, weighing big in those games. Since the end of the day, you have to win four games out of a seven-game series. So I'm hoping they start using mm-hmm. the paint more once Rob Williams is back. and Or uh, he is back now, I should say. But Yeah, uh, I hope so, too. But as he gets like, more integrated, I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah, like, I think that's one thing. more back into the flow of things. But I think that's a reason they I probably lost for those sure. games. It's hard to rely on threes. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. shooting too many threes in those games, which I know, I mean, they shoot 40% from the floor from threes. So, I mean, that's a big reason they were shooting them a lot. But that's a reason they lost that game, which a clip is – play very good defensively. They cover around the perimeter very well since a lot of their guys play pretty hot defense. So Celtics shot poorly against them, shot poorly against the Warriors, shot poorly against the Magic even. I mean, that was tough. The Paces, I mean... Yeah, just, scored 92 points on Sunday. The Paces were just drilling shots. Yeah, the the 
Clips held the Celtics under 100 for the first time, actually, this year, which is nuts. Oh, yeah, scored 93 that game. And then, yeah, Magic was the lowest he scored all year, 92 points. Yeah. Uh, rebuilding team with the Magic, too. That's tough to see. Although, they've been actually pretty good the last few games. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're turning around. 13 wins for them isn't bad. Um, you know, Boncaro has been Van great. Boncaro was having a rookie of the year campaign, yeah. Yeah, he's been great. And yeah, I think the Clips are the first team to hold the Celtics under 100, so I always brag about the Clippers' defense through the first team on the year. Yeah, you love the defense. Uh, before the Magic. They play hard, though. They do play hard. I'm excited to yeah, see what they do. Yeah, they did about that. Uh, they're starting to get back healthy. I mean, they had a loss tonight to the Sixers. I watched the first half. That was tough. But I watched a couple nights ago, which they got really hot from three. Nick Batum was ridiculous in the game against the Hornets. Uh, this was Wednesday night, so the same night as the UMaine game. So I was depressed about the UMaine game. That was something to be down about. Then the Clippers got a big win against the Hornets, which was huge. I mean, the Hornets aren't great at all. I'm not saying they are. But 21-point win for the Clips. Shot very well from three. Nick Batum, I think, had seven threes in that game. He was just hot as oh, a pistol. Wow. Paul George had 22 points, eight and eight. Two blocks and a steal. Uh, Batum, we see just his total. Seven threes. Seven for ten from three. He was Damn, great. That's impressive. Uh, and then Kawhi had 16 points. I mean, everyone shot well that night, so I was excited to see that. Tough game for UMaine, but I was happy uh, the Clippers woke up, got a big win. So we'll see what happens there, too. We'll keep you guys posted about the Clips since you guys know I'm a big fan of them. And you know very well that I'm a big fan <laughs> of them. So, oh, I, I don't want to know anyone. <laughs> you do. You see all the posters and stuff and the shirts and everything, always. All the shirts. I'm always watching the clip. FanaticsClippers.com. I do. Closet, but, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, a lot of money went there, but hey, it worked out, didn't it? So, had to give yeah. it. The money has to go somewhere, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you're would, right. You main winnings. You main in that, you're right. You main basketball helped me out a lot. So, thank you, you main. Uh, we'll jump now <laughs> into the NFL, obviously, now with it being week 16. There's only a few more weeks left in the season, three games left to go. Uh, the Patriots have three left to go. The Giants have three left to go. Every team has three left to go, except Jacksonville played last night in the New York Jets. So, so only three games left in the regular season for every team just about. So now, I mean, playoff predictions. It's not like we're making predictions for the season. Now we know what teams look like and who's healthy and who's playing well. So these predictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're starting to see what, you know, the wild card matches are going to look exactly. like. Exactly. Um, yeah, nothing's set in stone yet, but you can kind of start to see um, who's going to be where generally. Definitely. Uh, so who do you like? I mean, overall, we can give AFC, NFC championship predictions like we planned and then a Super Bowl matchup. Uh, you can start with either one, AFC or NFC. Sounds good. Uh, let's get started with AFC. Um, right now, I'm sticking with my prediction from the beginning of the year. Um, the Bills, I still think, are a team to beat right now, just offensively and defensively, their complete package. Um, right now, if everything holds true, they're going to have home field advantage throughout um, the AFC side of the bracket, um, which in Buffalo, I think, is huge, um, just being part of the cold weather. And I mean, we saw in New England for so many years um, what a great home field advantage that cold weather provided. Um, it's just an added boost to the team. Um, especially if they go up against teams like Miami. Um, Definitely. You know, I mean, they were so used to playing in the warm weather and needed, like, heated benches to play in 55-degree Minnesota or L.A. Um, a couple weeks ago. Um, they're still my pick. I just think the Allen Davis connection, their offense is so deep. Um, I mean, Gabe Davis, too, was really turned into a true wide receiver, too. Um, I mean, just there's really no flaws in their offensive game right now, and defense is pretty good right now. Uh, definitely good enough. Um to be one of the top teams in the league right now and be Super Bowl favorites. Um, I think uh, one of my teams uh, to watch in the AFC playoffs right now is the Miami Dolphins. Um, I mean, they just got so many weapons, like we were talking about earlier. Tua, um, I've started to become higher on him. I think he's kind of coming to his own with... Um, I mean, he's got great playmakers, too, so it's easy to look good, and you got guys like Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, but, I mean, it's just hard to stop those guys. Um, like I worry about teams like the Patriots covering uh, the Dolphins' offense, and uh, I worry about the same for other teams when it comes to playoff time. So I wouldn't be surprised if them pull off the first round upset right now. They're probably going to end up the six or seven seed. 
um, end up playing team with the uh, Chiefs or the Bengals. I could see him knocking off either team on a good day. Um, so that's definitely got a team to watch for. What do yeah. you see in the AFC playoffs? I actually like the Dolphins as well. I think they can make a run. I actually had the Dolphins beating the Bills last week. They were just in that game, that snow game, only lost by a field goal at the end. I do like the Dolphins more than I like the Bills. I think they're a better team. I think the Dolphins probably have – I think the Bills probably have more talent overall. They definitely have more hype around them. But that Dolphins speed is just electric, and that's probably why I'm going to give the Dolphins mm-hmm. the edge over the Buffalo Bills they were to play each other. But right now I'm in the AFC. I have the Chiefs winning the AFC. Uh, dominant on the year. They have 414 points to their team uh, as a total, which is number one in the NFL. The Eagles got 411. They score a lot of points every single week. Uh, they do give up a good amount of points to them. They've given up 322 on the year, which is the most out of you know these four teams, the Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, and Ravens. But they score the most, too. So they can obviously tolerate giving up that many points uh, and still win games. And they're 11-3 and on the year. So I think if you look at records, obviously, a lot of people probably have the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals, obviously, because of records. But I think, like you said, you look at the Bills, uh, very well-rounded team. And that was your prediction at the end of the year. And they've stayed pretty much hot for the whole Ooh. season. They had some a one-touch stretch middle of the season. I mean, the Chiefs, as well, lost a game they shouldn't have lost, too. But they lost to the Colts at one point somehow. I mean... I don't know, you win some games you should win you shouldn't win and then you lose some games you should win that's just a part of football uh, but I like the Chiefs winning the AFC uh, over the Dolphins but I think just for sake of an argument I know you got the Finns uh, I'll go with I'm not gonna say Jackson to the AFC Championship I think Jackson wins a game though I think I don't know who they're gonna play right, I like that. if they make the playoffs which they still have to win their last two games then they'll win the AFC South over the uh, Titans. I think they look good right now. I think Jacksonville can win a game. I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan. Happy to see him really flourishing in a new system under Doug Peterson. Uh, but I'm going to go with Chiefs Ravens, uh, which I don't really know how the seeding is going to work. And everything. I'm just basing it off of this right now. Just top. Yeah, of my head. I was gonna say just your two best teams, I guess. Yeah, two I'll favorites. go Chiefs Ravens just because I want Lamar to do well. That's obviously probably a crazy pick because no one's probably have the Ravens going there, considering a lot of people probably have the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals. But I like Lamar. He's been hurt. I think he's a big missing piece considering they're only averaging, I think, nine points a game with Tyler Huntley as their quarterback. So they're obviously showing they need Lamar Jackson back. I think once they get him back, that team's obviously just as dangerous um, with him in the lineup as any other team, really, considering he can run uh, better than any quarterback in the NFL. He's just electric. So I'll go Chiefs, Ravens, AFC Championship. I do like the Bengals a lot, but I don't know. I mean, they woke up. You know, they've won how many in a row now? Five in a row. They're 5-0 and in their last five games. Winning mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row they've won, uh, and they're five zero in their last five. So they get hot at the right time. Wow. It's kind of hard to pick against them, I would say. But uh, yeah, it's always hard to bet against Kansas City for sure. That too, Kansas City. I mean, that's tough. I'm gonna go with Kansas City versus the Ravens just for the sake of it. But I'm rooting for the Bengals to do well. I'm rooting for Jacksonville to do well. I'm rooting for the Fins to do well. I'm just you know excited to see all those teams compete. Consider yeah, there's just so many weapons in the AFC right now. It's that's the thing. hard to beat. That's the thing right there. I'm rooting for Jacksonville just because they're an underdog. And, and I like Trevor Lawrence. Just like you said, the AFC's wild how stacked they are. And then the NFC, I mean, we can jump into that really quick. Uh, the NFC, I like the Niners. I know you like the Niners as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Even with Brock Purdy as their quarterback, I mean, they're still scoring points. With Jimmy G going down, Trey Lance going down beginning of the year, I thought giving Jimmy G the, you know, the helm, letting him be the quarterback, I think that was a big deal. I thought that was pretty good of a shift considering I think I think he gives a better chance to win a Super Bowl than Trey Lance does. Uh, but then with, yeah, I agree. With Jimmy G going down, Brock Purdy uh, has stepped out and played pretty well. So I like the 49ers in the NFC. Uh, I'm going to go the 49ers, which I think I had the Eagles versus the Niners. I think that was my prediction uh, the last time I did this, which everyone probably has the Eagles for the most part, so that's probably not a hot take. Uh, I think the Giants can win a playoff game. I don't know how far we'll go, but I think the Giants can win a playoff game if we make it. That's probably my hot take. Uh, but I'm going to go like Eagles it. over the Niners in the NFC. So my Super Bowl matchup would be the Eagles versus the Chiefs, and I'll take the Chiefs beating the Eagles. What do you got? 
I like it. I'm actually going to take the same two teams as you. Uh, I'm taking the Niners, though, uh, to the Super Bowl. I just think even with Brock Purdy, I think he's good, but I think it's going to be a little tough, him being a first-year player and then also just coming in this late into the season just kind of getting thrown into the NFL playoffs. Um, I just think the Niners are a team that don't really need elite QB to win. I mean, we've seen that in previous years. Jimmy G leading them to the Super Bowl um, despite some mediocre play. Um, I just think him being out there, um, he's good enough for that team and um, being kind of more of a run-dominant team, uh, having guys like McCaffrey out there um, and having a great defense too this season. Um, I see them taking down the Eagles. I think the Eagles are good. I'm still just not really sold yet. And Jalen Hurts being like a game-changing quarterback. Um, I would like a lot of people have been calling him this season. I think he's good. I think he's more I think, he's a, I think he's good too. I, I think, yeah, I think he's more. He gets more hype for fantasy. I think that's the reason. I think. I mean, I think he's he having a very good year. Don't get me wrong, but I think if you start mm-hmm. a franchise, he's still probably not a top five pick, top seven pick. I don't think. Yeah, it's just how. I yeah, there's still a lot of quarterbacks that take over him if I was starting a franchise. I agree. That's how I'm basing it. But um, he's having a very good year. He probably is MVP mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, for that reason though too. Um, I mean, we saw them in that loss into the Cowboys and that struggle. Then a lot of the games have been pretty close as well. Um, I think going up against a defense and a team that plays as tough as the Niners, um, I think they're going to struggle um, and come just short of making it to the Super Bowl. So I got Niners, Bills in the Super Bowl, um, and I'm going to take the Bills all the way over the Niners. All right, there you go. There you have it. I got the Chiefs. He's got the Bills. He's got the Bills versus the Niners. I got the Philadelphia Eagles playing the Chiefs and losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So Chiefs, Bills, both our Super Bowl predictions there. Both teams winning it. Should be exciting, though. I mean, that's two high-powered offenses right there. So if one of them were to make it to the Super Bowl, I'm sure it's going to be a high-scoring game. Probably exciting for a fan to mm-hmm. watch. I mean, I'm not a fan of either team, so it'll be exciting either way. I'm just rooting for a good game at the end of the day. So that's probably what Yeah, especially on the AFC side with a high-scoring shootout. So Definitely. It'll be exciting to see for sure. For sure. I mean, still got three more games left, so we'll probably do this in a couple of weeks, right, when we get back. or nah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be actually still home. Maybe we'll do something before the playoffs and give a quick Yeah, we'll have to get a playoff minutes. preview in. Yeah. Give our detailed picks and everything once we got all the um, uh, matchups. Yeah. Hopefully the Giants end up making it. If they do, that'll be my bold prediction. They win a game. We'll see who they face. Even if it's Minnesota, they play Minnesota this week. So play Minnesota tomorrow. We'll see what happens. It's not a bad matchup. I think Minnesota's a little bit overrated for the record. I think they'll lose first round of the playoffs. I, I think they'll be an upset, which I think oh, they might so actually buy. Is it two teams get a buy or one? I can't remember. I think it's, it's one. One gets a buy, right? Because the other six teams, the other you know mm-hmm. six teams, since there's seven that make the playoffs. Yeah, so I think they can lose first round. We'll see who it is, who they play. It could be the Giants, and the Giants can beat them in the playoffs, even if we don't beat them tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I think they're a little bit overrated. I mean, they score points, but you find yourselves down 33 to nothing to the Colts. That's obviously exciting. You got to come back 36 points in a row, the biggest comeback in NFL history. But being down 33 nothing is not encouraging. You know, it gets a good team. Mm, yeah, just come back. playing at first. Yeah, if you play a good team and go down thirty-three, nothing, the game's over. I mean, Colts yeah. are a little different in their situation right now. I mean, Jeff Saturday coaching um, still a little bit questionable. It's a rebuild. Um, there's the Colts team overall this year. Yeah, too. It's they just had a brutal season. So, um, I mean, it's still a great win for the Vikings, but doesn't really mean much in my eyes. Um, and then when we saw that horrible game against the Cowboys, I mean, probably five or six weeks ago now, it was just awful. We got blown out. Um, we're down like forty nothing at one point, and yeah, I just think seeing games like that because I mean they haven't really played that many big time games yet this year, and I think um, they're not really battle tested enough to start beating these good teams in the playoffs. I just, see, I mean, I agree with you completely. I think they're going to get defeated first round. Yeah, I think they have a good offense. Obviously, the defense is pretty good too. Their offense really gets all the hype, and that's the reason that you know people probably have them going as far as they do because of Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins having a good year, Adam Thielen. I mean, they have a lot of weapons on the team. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson, you go on all day about their weapons. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, and KJ Osborne played great last year and looked like Jerry Rice. Uh, but if I had to pick, though, a team in the NFC, though, I don't think they're a top two or three team going to the, If I had to pick three teams to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC, I don't think they'd probably even be the third team. 
I, I like the Eagles more. I like the Niners more. Uh, and then Cowboys, I don't know how to really feel about them. I mean, they lost, lost to Jacksonville last week. Uh, I don't know. I'd Maybe probably take Dallas over um, the Vikings. Minnesota, I'd probably take Dallas and then Minnesota. Yeah, I'd probably, probably do that too. Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, the Commanders. The Lions. The Lions. I might even take the Commanders. The Lions look good right now, too. Lions, I might yeah, even take seven, the Commanders seven. right now, though, over um, Minnesota. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Also, the Giants actually have this, the, the seeding over the Commanders. So, Commanders-Vikings actually has more of a chance than Giants-Vikings in the first round. It'd be Lions-Vikings right now if it's if, it, if this is how it played out, I'm pretty sure. Let me see. It'd be those. One, two, three, four. Um, I'm actually not sure. I think it would be Lions Vikings right now. I'm not really too sure. I'm doing stuff the seating on top of my head here, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm excited though. See what happens though. And I know we'll probably do a quick episode uh, before the playoffs begin. Uh, that'll probably be right around the time uh, we're at BC for that Duke game. So maybe we'll be giving a Duke BC recap around then too, which would be cool. Yeah, we should do that for sure. Maybe the week after. Um, we should record it, by the way. We start right? talking. I might record on my phone or something, us talking. Yeah, we should. Game. Just to get it, yeah. It might be mad loud, though. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it you know, we'll, out. Yeah, we'll find a way to get a recording somehow. At least something. Maybe at halftime or something. We could just have it, like, yeah. someone record it, too, just off the link. But Definitely, we'll yeah. yeah. Set up a computer somewhere in the back and just let it run. You could do that. Yeah. <laughs> that would work, obviously. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Pump for that, though. We'll definitely get an episode up with that recap and then NFL playoff predictions. Um Definitely that week between probably the seventh and tenth somewhere, depending on when the wild card games start. I think it's around then. Um, uh, make sure I get the date. It might be that weekend. Close. Is it the seventh? I think it's no. That's the that. last week of the regular season. I want to say the eighth is the last week of the regular season. Sunday, January eighth. So okay, maybe right, so right after that. That then. next week, like the tenth or eleventh, we'll get an episode out. Yeah, I'm down with that. That'll be a week before we go back too, which is crazy. One more semester, so. Uh, we're getting nice. it though. Last ride for the boys. That's it. One more. One more. Gotta get into real mug. A lot of things. Yeah, that's just one. Of them. We'll recap those games too. Probably should do that more than we did uh, this year because yeah, we, we actually had a good run in basketball. But we'll get there though. We'll, we'll make it this year. We'll make it. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some good we'll news make a next semester. Run. That's what I'm saying. We don't win it this year, so it's fine not recapping it. I guess. Oh, this semester I should say, not this year. This semester we don't win. So next semester we'll obviously uh, get into it more. Hopefully get get a mug and end the career on the right note. You know, on a high note. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, got to retire while we're at. So definitely, uh, right after the sunset, sure I'm excited though. <laughs> I, think, I think it'd be a good thing that we get softball too. So we got a couple more chances, and yeah, for sure. Hopefully, get one. Um, but anything else you want to add in? I think that's it. You? No, nah, I think I, I thought it was great. We covered a lot: NFL, Celtics, BC basketball, BC football. Even got a yeah, little. Yeah, uh, episode. Glad we got back to it. Yeah, no, I was excited to get back and even talk a little NBA, a little clips. I mean, we talked it all, so I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty good. Yeah, we got everything in NFL, so. Yeah, we're up to date. Um, yeah, we'll be back at it probably sometime tenth or eleventh uh, before the wild card matchups and after the BC Duke game to recap all that. Um, can't wait for it. Yeah, we'll definitely let you guys know about the Duke game and how to listen all that whenever we get closer. I mean, still a couple weeks mm-hmm. away, two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be on ninety point three as well as um, there'll be a link for streaming too um, yeah. for those in the Boston area. I'm excited though; it should be great. Um, but anyways, yeah, can't wait. That does wrap up today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I uh, mean, Zach, appreciate it as, as always. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, let's that close. Yeah, thank you guys for listening again. Um, another great week. Um, happy holidays, to everyone. Merry Christmas, and can we see you guys 10th or 11th for another episode? See you guys in 2023. Thank you.